I'm McKinney Smith. After going through a divorce, my sister passing away, experiencing narcissistic abuse, and some significant health scares, I realized through sharing my story that I wasn't alone in my suffering. Suffering, subjective distress generated by the experience of being out of balance. In a deep dive to holistically heal mind, body, and soul is where I discovered peace, clarity, and connection. It is impossible to be truly wise without some real-life hardship, and we cannot develop post-traumatic wisdom without making it through, and most importantly, through it together. Social connection builds resilience, and resilience helps create post-traumatic wisdom, and that wisdom leads to hope. Hope for you and others witnessing and participating in your healing, and hope for your community. A healthy community is a healing community, and a healing community is full of hope because it has seen its own people weather, survive, and thrive. Thank you for joining us on the Heal Her podcast, H-E-A-L, Honor, Elevate, and Love Her podcast formerly known as the Iwaka My Stilettos podcast, the top 1.5% most popular show globally, where we have conversations with extraordinary women on their journey towards wholeness and harmony. And since you're already here, you may as well subscribe. As a certified mindset coach guiding women towards peace, clarity, and connection within, supporting the direction of the system toward wholeness, my goal here is to help you thrive. Dr. Joan Wright Good is a mother of two recently widowed. She's an international speaker, preacher, business coach, best-selling author, and award-winning CEO specializing in training and teaching the art of being who you were created to be. Joan is the founder and creative director of the Business Mogul Academy, where she teaches, coaches, and helps students and clients start businesses and publish books. As CEO and founder of JWG, publishing house. She writes and publishes books and magazines. She's been featured on Forbes, Fox 26 News, Sheen, Black Enterprise, Rolling Out, The Tom Joyner Show, Huffington Post, and more. So please welcome to the show, Dr. Joan Wright Good. Thank you. Thank you, McKinney, for having me again. I love your platform. And um, it would have been remiss if I didn't take up this offer. Um, (laughs) I really appreciate you and the work you're doing for women all over the world. Um, Please do not take this for granted. Women all over the world need you and they need this platform and they need this podcast. So thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you for agreeing to come back on and share more of your um, story and your journey with us and your evolution since the last time you were on the podcast. You know, I I definitely feel blessed. I'm going to say the first two years of the podcast, I reached out to women that I know that are in my network that are doing amazing things that, you know, I'm inspired by that I know are resilient. And um, you blessed me by coming on and sharing your story then. And you have a new book and I wanted you to, you know, come back and share the growth of Joan and your healing journey and, um, you know, give us an update of of things that have happened since. Mm -hmm. So I guess before we, we get to that point for the listeners who are listening now that didn't have the opportunity to listen to the first episode, Mm -hmm. um, you know, just give us a quick Cole's notes version Mm -hmm. of your, your story and how you got to where you are presently. Okay, so I'll see if I can make it really, really quick. So for those of you who did not get the um, get to listen to the first uh, first podcast that I was on, I am a native of Jamaica. I am now a U.S. citizen. I have been here, I want to say maybe 15 or more years now. Um, but backstory, I was born and raised in Kingston, Jamaica, uh, went through the quote-unquote foster care system. We don't call it foster care there, but I was a ward of the state um, at the age of three or four, I believe. 
And so I grew up in Maxfield Park Children's Home. Um, I was stolen from that home, sent to the country, grew up with my grand aunt, got raped at the age of 11, um, started experiencing mental illness as a result. Uh, because I was a church girl, baptized at age six or whatever, um, they thought I had demons. So instead of trying to get me help, which I will say is one of the biggest things that every woman should get when you know that you need help, don't be afraid to get help. So I didn't get help. So what they did, they just shipped me back to Kingston to go live with my mother, who um, at the time had other children. So here I am, um, had experienced abandonment in the home, didn't have any any family, don't know who my dad is, didn't see my mom, sent to somewhere else and back with my siblings who don't know me. So just kind of imagine what kind of world that was for me, very, you know, very tumultuous and, and um, traumatic. And so now I'm back in Kingston, don't have no school to send me to. God allowed me to go to one of the best high school in Kingston. And um, fast forward, I dropped out of high school after being like at the top of my class in everything, even track and field, not just with, with um, you know, schoolwork. Um, dropped out of high school in fifth form when I was sitting my last exams, got pregnant because again, growing up, I didn't know what love was, didn't know, you know, so the first person who touched me or said they loved me, I was like, okay, boop, you know, and unfortunately, or fortunately, I got pregnant. My daughter's 31 now, praise God. <laughs> um, and, you know, so looking for love in all the wrong places, I uh, went back to church, thought I found love, got married, that was abusive, and then thought that God re, um, redeemed me. And you know what, I won't say I thought that because I believe Everything in my story was for a reason. You know, it was for a purpose. I've learned so much. Um, so many women have said to me, oh my gosh, you're so inspiring. I can't, like, they want me to tell them how I got through. And honestly, I don't know. It's all God. It is all God because the public shame, the divorce was in the media. It was all over. It was everywhere. And then getting remarried and went through 11 years of marriage, 12 years of being together and my, my my second husband passed. So wow. now here it is, I'm a widow. And um, McKinney just wanted to interject that in all of this, I never once lost hope, never once lost faith, never once not um, show up for my business. Yes, I created boundaries in the business, but I used all of my experiences to help my business grow and to help my clients. And so even the last time when we spoke, our business grew exponentially. Like I moved from making a million to a year to making a million in two weeks. Like I literally, literally was able to bring my clients with me to, to show them how that is done. So to God be the glory, here we are today. Wow. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the first time we spoke, I thought, you know, your story is inspiring and you're resilient, but it's like hearing the, the recap. <laughs> It was very a very powerful punch. Um, you know, I, I said this to you the last time we spoke, you know, I'm sorry that you had to experience such trauma. But at the same time, like you said, you've been able to turn that around and use that to push yourself, but also to help lift others up in the process. Yes. And with having, you know, a traumatic childhood and dealing with all the things that you've even dealt with in your adult life. Um, it's been a lot. And some people, how do I say this? Some people on the outside looking in would be like, wow, you know, I could never handle that or I you know, wouldn't have been able to make it through. But at the end of the day, we never know how much we can handle until we're in the situation, right? It, our, our resilience muscle is built over time. And yeah. you have had to strengthen that resilience muscle over and over and over again. Oh God, even when I thought I could not... Um, I was, I was talking to my therapist and I was telling her, I remember one night when I was so overwhelmed with everything that was going on, I could not sleep and I could not pray. Okay. Let's not sugarcoat stuff. Mm -hmm. I could not even pray. I couldn't open my mouth. And the only thing I could do, I got up, I sat on the edge of my bed and I just started bawling to God. I just started crying. I was like, God, I can't take this no more. I can't do it. Um, and in the middle of crying out to him, I heard him so audibly saying, this will not end how you think it will. And he mm -hmm. told me exactly how it would. And can I tell you, it ended exactly like he said, even though I didn't want him 
to end it that way. And even when I tell people, I mean, chill, they're like, oh my God. Like I go into the full story. Obviously, I can't mm-hmm. go into fear. But when you when you're sold out to Christ and when you give him everything, because the thing is, sometimes we try to fight it in our flesh. We try to go back to what we knew work then. Mm-hmm. But I don't listeners, how many of you know that what worked in 2018 will not work in 2023? Right. right. So the tools you had back then, you have to either sharpen them or replace them. And we hate to replace tools. We, we get, you know, we hold on to the memories. Sometimes you really, really have to let go. And I tell people, you know, that you've let go when the things that used to trigger you, they Mm -hmm. trigger you no more. Mm-hmm. You see them and you can kiss them goodbye. You can say hi, hello, you know. So so you have to get to that place where you're no longer triggered or you're no longer holding on to what used to work. You have to empty yourself. You literally have to die to yourself. And I tell my clients, dead people feel no pain. Mm-hmm. So if you're feeling pain, it means you haven't died to that situation yet. Wow. Mm-hmm. Powerful. Powerful. <laughs> I, I agree with you with, you know, being able to or or like it's having to to let go of certain things because mm-hmm. we are constantly re-triggering ourselves, yes. reliving and ruminating on mm-hmm. those past scenarios, those past situations, those things that have caused us mm-hmm. um, that pain. And some people are, are addicted to basically like reliving those yes. things. Um, I heard a stat recently that said 95% of people are focused on memory and is it memory and trauma? I can't remember the exact quote, but basically they're so focused on the past and only 5% are focused on the future and vision. You know, there's so many people that are constantly re-triggering themselves mm-hmm. by living through that over and over again. Considering that you've had so much trauma since you were a young girl, mm-hmm. like what would you say that you learned about emotions and how mm-hmm. has that helped or hurt you? Oh, wow. That's a loaded question. I think um, one of the biggest things that I learned about emotions is that they lie to you. I've learned that uh, your emotions are not factual. And so even though something is factual, it doesn't make it true. Yeah. Right. Um, Your emotions will tell you that you're hurting. But when you really check it, are you really hurting or were you ashamed? Were you Mm. disappointed? You know, and sometimes we we allow disappointment to build up offense. And I like to say offense is like building a fence that keeps you out of the truth mm-hmm. and, and, and track you into a lie. So you mm-hmm. have to ask yourself, was this offensive or am I offended? Because a lot of times we get of- offended because of our own doing. It's our It's what we put on that person. We expect someone to act a particular way. And when they don't, then we get offended. Why? They never told you that they had the ability to act this way. They never told you they had the ability to love you how you are expecting to be loved. So our expectations is what get us in trouble sometimes with our emotions. And that's why our emotions lie to us. Your emotion will tell you that you're in love when it's just lust. And so you have to know that you cannot pay attention to your emotions. Uh, Your emotions, uh, they're like something that you see with your eyes that are telling you something else that you know in your head that that's not how it appears. Mm -hmm. And so you cannot, you cannot, you cannot follow your emotions. You have to follow your gut feeling. You have to follow you what you know. You have to follow what God said about you and about the situation. So I've learned not to rely on my emotions. Like, you know, I, my emotions this morning said, lay in bed another hour. (laughs) Same. (laughs) But I know that I had this podcast. I'm like, I'm going to get up. Okay. You're not going to move me. <laughs> I got a whole day to get to. So yes, emotions will lie to you. So you have, this is why it's very important for us to be um, emotionally intelligent. You know, we teach everything. You're a coach. I'm a coach. We teach everything from money to spiritual, everything. But how many people are teaching people how to be emotionally balanced, mm. how to watch for things that will lie to you. It's very important for us to get to the place where we can manage our emotions and know that we don't choose with our eyes. We choose with our ears. What has God said? What are the things that you know about you that your emotions may be telling you opposite right now? Yeah, I I fully agree with you where our our minds are liars. They lie to us Mm -hmm. all the time (laughs) and emotions are fleeting. They come and go. Yeah. That's why it's important not to make major long-term decisions when you are 
upset, right? Because yeah. we're, we're in our feelings in that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I had read one time, I, I, one of the trauma books I was reading where it was talking about based on a person's, I guess, your state, your, I guess, if you're feeling sad, or even based on your past experiences, if you've mm-hmm had certain things that have happened, your perception of a situation or a person's facial expression or um, something simple can be perceived as negative and offensive because yeah. of the story that's already going on in our head. Yes. So our perception can, it may be our truth in that moment, mm-hmm. but because of how we are receiving it through our triggers and our insecurities, right. it's like you said, it's not actual like right. what, actually happening there you go that's and that's and that's why five people can walk away from the same situation and feel differently (laughs) yeah yeah exactly i was saying this to um not only my sibling but um another friend of mine where children can grow up in the same household and experience their parents differently yes you know one child can feel completely loved Mm -hmm. and balanced and you Mm -hmm. name it then the other Mm -hmm. child because of their perception and their insecurities and and even the time in which the parent had them based on the parent's evolution mm-hmm. can experience that parent differently. So yeah. yes. um, I, I love that you pointed that out about, you know, our difference in perspectives and our feelings and, and mm-hmm. how we perceive things. Cause I think sometimes people are quick to say, well, you know, this is the situation. This is how I saw it. This mm-hmm. is what it is. Mm-hmm. But if, if they were to even look at that situation at a different moment in time or while they're feeling a different emotion, they may view that situation differently. And 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 um just to segue, when we when we treat the situation like that, that is what will allow us to forgive and forgive quickly. Mm-hmm. When you can realize that this person was probably having an experience of that that allowed them to do the thing from their trauma, then you'll realize that this person, I, I gotta forgive them because they need healing, they need yeah. help. You know, yeah. they did they didn't necessarily mean it to happen this way. They were acting from their trauma, from the place that they haven't been healed. I mm-hmm. often say it doesn't matter how old we get, how old we get is not indicative of how mature we become. Of how healed we have um, been healed, because you can be fifty-seven and stuck at seven-year-old when that first trauma happened that you never got over, and so you see the entire world from that lens, uh, and from that seven-year-old lens, you can't trust nobody. Everybody's out to hurt you. If this person is too nice, mm, they're up to something because of what you've been through. But you're yeah. fifty-seven, you know. So yeah. I agree 1000%. Uh, I, I often say that healed people hear differently. They you do. Know, someone could say something and you and I, because we've done the work and we've worked, you know, the personal development, the evolution, mm-hmm. we're not phased by what that person has said or even what they've done, right? They we're not quick to take offense, but mm-hmm. someone else who has, you know, they are still working through their traumas mm-hmm. or feeling insecure they will quickly be yeah. offended by what is said or what is done. Yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, so you mentioned that, um, so the last time I saw you was pre-pandemic. You had yeah. an event here in Toronto. Yeah. Um, I met some amazing people from that event, by the way. Thank you very much. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> it was um, amazing. I'm coming back in July, but yeah, that was an amazing event. Oh, uh, okay. Well, we definitely need to connect. Um, yeah. So we, so much has changed since yeah. then. And yeah. so you, you just mentioned that you, um, you know, became a widow. Uh, mm-hmm. So the husband that you were married to at the time, I got to meet him at the event. Yes. Uh, I guess there is so much that we could learn, not just from relationships, but, you know, even when you're in a relationship with someone and you're doing business with them and they pass mm-hmm. away, like there's so many lessons, I believe, that you may have learned Yes. This this time. Um, mm-hmm. What are some, some lessons that you would love to share with the listeners today? Ooh, there's so many lessons that I learned while married and, and even after um, losing my husband. And, and that's one of the reasons why I penned the book, The Miseducation of Widowhood, 10 Things Every Wife Should Know About Managing, Coping and Dealing with the Journey. Uh, the thing about this is that everybody who's read it, they're like, girl, this ain't just for wives and widows. Like... I have somebody read it. She was like, I'm all up in my feelings. I should have asked these questions before. But um, I'll share a few things that I, 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 I um, spoke about. So after each chapter, I share a lesson that I learned. And the first lesson I wrote was, what you don't handle in dating will show up in the marriage. 
what is not handled in the marriage will show up in life. What you don't handle in life and in your marriage will show up in death. Mm. So it's very important for us to make sure that we're having the hard conversations. I know in dating, it's all about butterflies and, you know, all the fluffy things. And so we never, ever get to the, the more serious questions. And, and, and a lot of times we're surprised and we say, this person has changed, but did they really? Did they really change or we refuse to ask the important questions? We refuse to, we, we saw that, that, that yellow light that was about to turn red and we we're like, okay, because we beat the light. We're okay. No, anything that looks like it's going to distort, you have to deal with it in the early stages. You save yourself heartache. You save yourself money. You save yourself friendships and relationship. You even save yourself tears if that person passes because you know then, you know, what kind of eternity that person will have. Um, one of the other questions that one of the other lesson I shared is the painful things you hate to discuss will find you eventually. Young couples tend to use their formative years discussing the rosier things in marriage, the happy things. Uh, very rarely do couples discuss the uncomfortable stuff. Marriage is more than TikTok videos, cute pics and couple goals. Take time to discover the history of your spouse. What you don't know may hurt both you, both you and them. You'd be surprised at how many couples confess to not knowing as much as they thought they did about their partner years into the marriage. What you fail to research and or ask about can be the nucleus for life and death. Leave no stones unturned, even if it makes you sad while you both are alive. Sadness is temporary. Unfortunately, death is permanent. Wow. Yeah. That, that is powerful. Yeah. That is very powerful, um, especially that last line. Mm-hmm. I know that, how do I say this? I feel like a lot of people are afraid to ask those hard questions. I know. A lot of people are afraid to have those uncomfortable conversations mm-hmm. because they're so mm-hmm. focused on, you know, they want to maintain that honeymoon phase mm-hmm. or, or stay in that place. Mm-hmm. But the longevity of the relationship, and like you said, you know, a lot of people, they're they're coming into this relationship with their own baggage, right? Yeah. They're coming in with their own traumas, their own mm-hmm. insecurities. And if you don't ask those questions, if you don't mm-hmm. know their history, if you don't know, then you're not going to understand their behavior when they start acting out of their trauma response. And then you're going to take offense mm-hmm. and then it's going to cause problems in the relationship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let me give you a perfect example. Um, I used to, my, my um, deceased husband used to be triggered by, you know, every time his mom would get sick and I would say, okay, let's talk about what will happen if she passes. He was so triggered by that. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't figure out why every, I, I mean, I said to him, death is inevitable. We have to talk about it. But he was so triggered and I couldn't figure out why, right? It was after we got through the dating process and marriage, I realized that he was an adoptee. Mm-hmm. That, yeah, it wasn't his birth mom. And so he struggled with abandonment. Mm-hmm. And so anytime you mention anything that would look like he would go back to the stage of where he was abandoned by his real parents was an issue, right? right? What I could, I didn't know. And so it was asking the hard questions and even offering, do you want me to assist you with finding your birth family? You know, what does that look like? But yeah, I, I will say if that person truly loves you, the honeymoon, the honeymoon uh, phase will never end. So asking the hard question is not going to push them away, right? Mm-hmm. If that person is already invested, it will not push them. If those hard questions push them away, then that person was not the person for you. Right. They're, they're not, you know, yeah. because because the conversations need to be had, you know, after the great sex and the trips and the pictures and what, what you're going to just sit and look at each other. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You have to- <laughs> we're not a, we're not cute a thousand percent of the time as much as we'd like to be. <laughs> right. So. Right. So so life starts lifing. And the, the unfortunate thing is that usually when starts uh, when life starts lifing is when you realize you're not even ready for life. Mm-hmm. And so you don't want to wait until last. You really don't want to. Um, let me share this this one with you because this is not even about the relationship. Now this is about us. Lesson eight says the best asset you'll ever build in your life is you. 
You can build a home, a business, a marriage, and everything that you believe your identity is in. Some women love the idea of building. They like projects. However, until you build you, your building will be in vain. Build yourself mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, and financially so that you won't be in lack when the rug is removed from under you. Yeah. 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 We have to build us. So too too many times people believe, okay, now that I'm in a relationship, ooh, I oh, see you. Yeah. <laughs> no, you have to continue building you because we change every year. We yeah. change every year. And let's not talk about that 10-year change that we all go through. When you start having gray hair, your your hormones are all over the you change. Mm-hmm. And so it is you have to learn to build you during those times when you're changing. I also talked about having the hard conversations about money. Don't wait until I put I in in the book, and you some people may agree or, or not agree. I say just like we do SWOT analysis, you need to have those quarterly meetings, those monthly meetings. Okay, how have the finances changed? Um, how is the life insurance going? Do we have separate life insurance? Do you have one at work? I've had people said to me, I didn't know that my husband had two separate life insurance policies until he passed. And I don't even know. Yeah. So ask the questions. Are we going to have four bank accounts? You know, how are the? you have to ask the questions Mm -hmm. because you'll look up and you'll be cleaned out and you'll ask yourself, what happened? I thought he loved me or I thought she loved me. Listen. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) What does love have to do with it? (laughs) Trust me. I get it. (laughs) I know, you know. (laughs) absolutely it's hard to do but you have to you have to continue build you you have to continue investing you even when you're in love um it's not that you don't trust it's it's none of those things but you have to protect yourself even if you have children it's even worse if you if you are a nuclear family and you have children from other um Partners is very imperative to have that financial um, conversation and have them monthly, quarterly, yearly, because, again, things change, you know, and, um, you know, y'all may have a fight and you think you're safe. You look up, he don't switch your name and things happen and you're like, you go to the bank. They're like, oh, you know, you don't have access. Come on. Mm-hmm. It happens. It yeah. happens. Yeah. It happens. You know what? <laughs> <laughs> when uh, when I was going through my divorce in 2009, I mm-hmm. joked, I, I said it, I said it quite often, but I joked and I said, you never really know someone until you divorce them. <laughs> that, is, that is true. That is true. Oh my God. Because who they are when you met them, who they are throughout the marriage is not who they are while going through the divorce. <laughs> You know what? I call it the double D effect. And I was quick when I was doing the, I did another interview. I quick, I was quick. I was like, I'm not talking about breast size girls. I'm talking (laughs) about death and divorce. Mm. Death and divorce is when you truly, truly get to know who you were entangled with. Mm -hmm. Those two D's are like, it's, it's crazy. You know, um, the things you find out, the things you experience, the things you that happen that really, really have to um, now you have to take those and build your muscle to start. Um, I like to call it a a fresh start, a new start, a do over. Now that you've gotten this information, God has given you an opportunity to do it over again, but do it wisely this time. Mm-hmm. wisely this time oh god i love seeing new spouses and young people but i look at them and i clutch my pearls i'm like bless their hearts <laughs> the heart because if they're not equipped you know you know this is true if they're not equipped for life that's going to happen mm-hmm. after the boohoo crying and oh you know i met my soulmate kind of thing life will crush them Mm-hmm. Life will crush them. So it's very important. And that's why it's important for each partner in the relationship or in the marriage to build themselves individually so that you can, when you come together, you're a strong unit, you're a strong team. You can build a marriage, you can build a business, you know, you can make sure that when you go into these things, you're doing it wisely. And and I'll, I'll, I'll say this, um, I know you're probably wrapping up. Couples need to understand the importance when they're in business together of creating a trust. Mm-hmm. You want to create a trust. There, like, I think there are like seven kinds of trust. There's living trust, uh, spendthrift trust. There's several trusts, but you want to go ahead and research this because it makes life easier if you have to split or if your partner dies, right? It makes life so much easier. Nobody has to fight. Oh God, you'll be amazed. People fighting over sheets and towels. 
<laughs> we we fought over an iron. <laughs> Listen, I had to break up fight over my husband's shoes. You know who wants to get so it's 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 crazy. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but when you create a trust, it governs. You don't own the things, you just manage them. So, right. you know, when I came into these knowledge like my LLCs, my my houses, cars, everything that I own is under the trust. I don't own nothing. So, people can't sue me for nothing. You know, nobody who's not rightly um affiliated to me can't get stuff. The trust owns it and then if anything should happen to me, then my attorney and, you know, um all the legal things will come mm-hmm. into effect so everybody can rightly be, you know, rewarded, awarded, compensated, whatever. So, yeah. Wow. I well, have all those Financial advice. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So I have all those little financial advice in the book as well because I didn't want it to be a book of fluff. I do talk about my husband and you know the great person he was and the life he could have had. You know, um, I tell people I don't mourn my husband's death. I mourn the life he could have had. You mm. know, and you have to be deep to understand that. Um, yeah. Yeah. But you know, his his life was a lesson to me as well. You know, so here I am, I'm blazing the trail and I'm helping women, even with the death of my husband. I'm using that to help women. You are definitely a light in this world. And, you know, it's not easy to publicly grieve and it's not easy to like, I struggled even just writing the one chapter um, mm. about my sister's passing in my book. Wow. Like emotional trauma, <laughs> yeah. going, having a breakdown every time I sat down to write yeah. that chapter. I know it's not easy to write a book about it. Mm. Um, so I, I commend your strength and the work that you're doing in this world. Um, I guess what what advice would you give to someone that has just lost a loved one? Um, wow, that's a, that's a good question. What I would say is that first of all, you cannot. I know a lot of times when people lost loved ones, they tend to internalize the grief and they intend to they 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 internalize things that they could have done and regrets and all of that. I often tell people sometimes it does sound jarring, but guess what? You could you could not rewrite anything. You're not God. And God knew from the beginning um that this person would have, you know, gone this way. And so you could not, even if you thought that you it was an accident and if you had turned the car this way or that way, you could not have stopped the hand of God. It had to happen. God has allowed you to go through this so that you can eventually help someone. But take the time. Mm-hmm. Take the t- if it's 10 years, I tell people that grief and mourning looks different. Because there's some people who mourn but never grieve. And some mm-hmm. people who grieve but never mourn. There's a yeah. difference. Yeah. So you have to identify the space that you're in and allow the process to take place. Allow the process to take place and do not put expectations on people who don't understand what it means to lose. Do not. Um, I did that and I wrote about that, that people who I expected to be at the funeral, people who I expected to reach out, people who I expected to give a gift, um, you know, that never happened. And I realized that I was putting my own expectation and the expectation of my husband on these people. And mm-hmm. a lot of them were clueless. Before yeah. I had a loss, I was clueless on how to help somebody who was grieving. You yeah. know, I thought just saying prayers with you was enough until I got to that place and that was not enough. So so you have to give yourself grace, but moreover, you have to give people grace and understand that they don't know what you're going through. So take the time and get help. Get help if you need help and writing journal your experience, because sometimes you're thinking that this is about writing a book. Sometimes it's healing for you. You'll be amazed how writing can help you heal, you know, so take the time, understand people, get help, um, educate yourself on your own mourning and grief process. Don't put a time limit on it because time does not heal. Agreed. <laughs> you just get better at coping. <laughs> yes, you get better at coping, but time does not heal. So don't put a time on it. Um, and don't allow anyone either to put a time to tell you, girl, you should have been over that by now. Don't, don't, don't do that. Remove yourself from any space that don't allow you to grieve and to mourn correctly, right? And don't wallow in it as well. Know when you're going in too deep. Mm-hmm. And and ask for help, you know, and set boundaries, set boundaries, set boundaries, set boundaries. I can't say it enough. Set 
boundaries, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I am queen of boundaries these days. So. <laughs> Set boundaries. Oh, don't, can't do it. Don't know. Won't do it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Set boundaries. All right. Yeah. <laughs> no matter what you're going through in life, boundaries, mm -hmm. healthy boundaries are important. Healthy boundaries are important. You have yeah. one life. You have one you. You have to govern and manage your health as much as all you manage your wealth and everything else. Because at the end of the day, you're all you have. Yes. You are all you have. It doesn't matter how many friends or fans or foes you have. At the end of the day, you're all you have. You're going home by yourself. You came into this world by yourself. So take care of you. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I um you said so many important things there that I wanted to 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 highlight. Let's see how my memory serves me now. <laughs> um, the, the the journaling I think mm -hmm. is underestimated because sometimes even if you feel like you can't speak to someone to let out your feelings or you don't have the finances for professional help mm -hmm. journaling yes can tremendously help with exactly. your healing process because you are able to um, express your feelings because when mm -hmm. we when we um, suppress our feelings we mm -hmm. become more depressed yes when we hold on to those feelings and we trap those emotions mm -hmm. we end up the trauma body, you know, the aches, the pains, the diseases, yes. all those things, yes. um, you know, it builds up like a bad debt. So it's yeah. important to express mm -hmm. those feelings. And mm -hmm. if we don't feel comfortable sharing with another human, having mm -hmm. a safe space, a journal where we can write how we're feeling, right. um, you know, a safe not space. Judged. Your yes. journal will not judge you. Exactly. <laughs> you can write everything, <laughs> say everything in that journal and you will not be judged. Yes. That's the thing about journaling. And that is one of the best things because yes. even if you're sharing it with, with someone that doesn't know you or, you mm -hmm. know, you're talking to a friend, some mm -hmm. people may hold back because they feel like they're being judged, but the journal's yeah. not going to judge you. You there can you get it all out right, right. there. Right. Um, and that is your space where no one else has to read it. No one else right. has to see it. You could write, you know, your darkest <laughs> thoughts. Yes. No one else needs to read that. It's a, yeah. a safe, safe space to express yourself. Mm -hmm. um, and then you spoke about grief and, and timelines. And I think that that's also very important because before, I'm going to say before my sister and my grandmother, who both passed away a, a year apart, before I lost them, mind you, I had lost aunts and uncles and, you know, childhood mm -hmm. friends. Mm -hmm. I didn't understand until that point, until the people, the two people who were closest to me, until mm -hmm. they passed, that you can't put a time on, yeah. on the grieving process. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, there's... So there's, uh, I, I believe it's five um, levels or phases or whatever for, for grief. So, you know, I was huge with the denial and isolation. Yeah. <laughs> and there's the anger, the bargaining, uh, depression, mm -hmm. and acceptance. Mm -hmm. And it took me probably quicker than some of my other family members to accept my sister's passing. But that was because I continued to speak about it. I continued to express Mm -hmm. my feelings about it. I continued to share and it allowed me to not only accept that she is gone, but mm -hmm. to also find, I don't want to say the beauty in her passing, but it's almost like there's good and bad in everything. Right. right, right. And I honestly believe I would not be the woman that I am today mm -hmm. had I not accepted her passing right. because of the gifts that it brought me in a sense of forcing me to become who I am because she was my voice. I right. wouldn't have spoken up for myself right. then. If she was still here, I wouldn't have a podcast. I probably wouldn't have published books. I wouldn't, mm -hmm. I wouldn't be on stages. Mm -hmm. So despite losing her, it also came with many gifts and many blessings that I thank her for on a, a daily Amazing. basis. Amazing. But you, um, you spoke to, goodness, you spoke to so many things and I'm like, what do we have the time to pack? <laughs> <laughs> well, that, let me let me tell you let me tell you one that that we can talk about. Uh, when people go through trauma, one of the reasons why it's important to put up boundaries is is that it's 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 if you don't properly heal and if you don't put the boundaries up, you'll find yourself trauma bonding. Yes, you'll find people who are going through the same thing and you bond with them, and you can misconstrue that, or some people say misconstrue that to think <laughs> that is love when it's really just trauma bonding. Yes. You share similar experiences and you think that this person sees you, knows you. And when that wears off, then again, you found yourself in another situation where, oh my God, I'm here again. It's because you never set boundaries and you never heal properly. So you trauma bond. 
instead yeah. of trauma healed. You know, I in the book, I walk women through how they can actually help themselves to move forward. So I talk about after that, you never move on. You know, some people say move on. You never move on because as long as you are alive, you are still tied to that. Your sister will always be your sister. Yeah. So you never move on. You move forward. Yes. So I explained the difference with moving forward and not trying to move on. You know, a lot of people immediately after death, they remarry because they think they have to. And sometimes that what that does, it it, it, it puts a bandaid over something that needs surgery. You know, mm-hmm. um, you're trying to replace that person or that feeling real quickly. So I talk about moving forward and what that looks like. I say it will look different for everybody. I know particularly for me, um, after celebrating my husband for a year, I knew I, I, I did not want to ever be known as a widower. And so I didn't even put widow on my Facebook. I just put single. You know, um, so, so sometimes it will take something drastic. If you want to put with, that's fine. You know, and it doesn't mean that somebody's thirsty just because somebody puts, it don't mean that that it means they're thirsty. It means they're now healing and they're taking accountability, accepting the loss and they're doing little things that will help them to move forward. So there are times when I still go back and I'm going out, I put my ring on because I love my ring, you know, and there are times when I don't wear it. It's, it's just me sometimes remembering him, I put it on. So there are different things that you can do. So everybody goes through the process differently. So never kind of compare your process to somebody else's, yeah. you know, and, and try to do what they're doing because maybe you think they're fine. No, nobody knows when I'm driving down the street and I'm hit with a memory, a song comes on, or weddings, just something comes on and I'm like, I'm back to square one again. I know, for instance, that there's one particular song that, um, he had sent me just days before he passed that that will stay with me forever, even if I remarry. And every time, just recently, I was driving back from a celebration with my girls, um, but the book was featured in Sheen Magazine and the song came on wow. and I just got dead quiet. And they're like, what's wrong? And I'm like, so just give me a moment, you know, mm-hmm. but that's what that does. Another time it came on, I was driving to my office and I literally had to pull over and weep like a baby. So just because so you see somebody shiny, it doesn't mean that, you know, you can't judge your experiences and your healing process. So, yeah, for me, I had to remove the whole widow thing. I put single like when I was celebrating him, I rather celebrated the light moments as opposed yeah. to the heavy stuff. So I post videos of, you know, crazy things that he did or, you know, that for me was better than going through the heavy stuff. Cause I didn't want people to say, Oh, so sorry. It, it kept you in a place of like depression yeah. when yeah. everybody said, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so no, no, Mm-mm. I didn't mm-hmm. want that. So yeah. Make sure that you're not comparing your journey, your healing process with, with anybody else. Yeah. I, I, I agree with you on, celebrating their their life mm-hmm. um, you know when when my sister passed uh we chose not to wear black to the funeral yeah. um the immediate family we wore white to celebrate her and to mm-hmm. honor her mm-hmm. and i for every accolade that i have earned and attained i thank her and i honor mm-hmm. her you know it's celebrating what I believe would have made her proud or made her happy, or even she may be up there having a hand in. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay. So before we go to the final segment of the show, I want you to tell people where they can stay connected with you, where they can buy the book, where they can learn more from you and about you. Awesome. Um, so I'm Joan Wright Good on all social media platforms. So on Instagram, Joan Wright Good, Twitter, the same. I don't even use Twitter, but everywhere <laughs> that you consider social media, it's Joan Wright Good. Um, on Facebook, it's the same thing, Joan Wright Good. I think I have the doctor somewhere there. Um, I I finished my PhD in the pandemic, and that was um, an amazing thing for me. Uh, didn't get the opportunity walk and I'm still trying to see it like can I walk with the other people <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah you'll see Dr. Joan Wright good there um um my website is my name as well Joan Wright good so you can get the book at my website www.joanwrightgood my business website is businessstartupacademy.live I help people to start businesses to leverage to um, and to really take one idea and flip it. Are we still there? 
Yeah. Okay. Because you froze. Right. Um, to take one idea and, and turn it into millions and, and, you know, how to create a legacy and not just to make the money, but I teach him how to keep the money, you know, because making it is easy. I took my coaching group and, and, and I took them through the process, um, um, uh, McKinney, showing them how to make a million dollars in one week. It took me two weeks, but, you know, I showed them all you have to do is to create a $5,000 product and sell that to 200 people. And that's it. And rinse and repeat. So making it is easy. It's making sure that you can keep it and, and grow it and leave a legacy that's important. So I do that in the academy. Um, and obviously I do publishing, marketing, and all the other good stuff. So um, they can find me at the business website, a personal website, and they can call my office at 561-412-7772. Awesome. So I will definitely have all of the links where they can connect with you and your website and your socials in the details section. Awesome. Um, they can just click and connect with you directly. Yes. Awesome. And I guess for the final segment of the show, um, it's more like a rapid fire. You can answer one word or one sentence, but I'm also a bit of a rebel and I don't like to be boxed in. So if you feel like you need to expand, you're free to do so. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, what would you say is your superpower? Ooh-hoo. Okay. So I think my superpower is resilience. Um, my superpower is knowing how to take challenges and turning them into um, triumphs, turning them into dollars, turning them into cents, and turning them into meaningful stories. So I'll say that's my superpower. I love it. <laughs> you see that sign behind me? <laughs> oh, yes. I did, see it. I did see it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> um, okay. How do you stay motivated? Oh, I stay motivated. So I would say a couple of things keep me motivated. Obviously, my relationship with God is the first thing that just keeps me going. Um, You know, when I want to stop, my love for God and his love for me is what keeps me going. I'd also say my family. Um, my, my grandson, um, love him to death. Every time my daughter sends me a video or a picture or something, I'm like, Oh, look at that little, I told, I, I tell her that that's my son. Cause I wanted a boy, didn't get a boy. So that's, that's really my child. She just, <laughs> her kid. Um, but my family, uh, my immediate family, oh gosh, I have a sister. She is like, I don't know. She's a beast. Uh, she will fight for you in the drop of a pin. She'll gun, butt anybody, I think she purposely <laughs> got a gun so she could fight for me. But, um, so yeah, my fam, so God, my family and the will to live, you know, the will to live, um, keeps me motivated. And, and as much as I don't like to admit it, I love people. Mm-hmm. That's why I do what I do. I love people. I'm, I'm, I'm naturally an introvert. So go figure. <laughs> I'm naturally an introvert. And so I don't always like people, but I love people. <laughs> I like my own. I skills, get it, you know. But I still love people. So those are the things that that, that keep me going. That keep okay. Me okay. Um, <laughs> when was the last time you apologized to someone? Ooh, now you do know they say that black women don't like to apologize. <laughs> because I apologize every day. <laughs> I've been working. I've been working on that. I've been working on that. I know that was one of the pet peeves of my husband. So I, I started working on it. So the last time I apologized, hmm, um, I think that was this weekend. I apologized to a friend. Um, and let me put this out there. I didn't even do nothing. Okay, I didn't even do nothing. But they're good. They they saw things through their own lens and their perception. So I was like, but I, I was good with that. I didn't say sorry. You saw it that way. Right. I said sorry. I offended you, yeah. and I apologize for how that made you feel. Because now there's a difference between sorry and apologizing. Now, yes, you know. Okay. So I had to use it too. See, I'm learning. <laughs> I had to use it too. Sorry, I offended you, and I apologize for how that made you feel. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> love it love it okay um when and where are you the happiest Ooh, I am the happiest when I'm by myself in my house um um where I can dance to my own music I can do my praise and worship I can eat ice cream and not be judged <laughs> <laughs> I can sleep for 10 hours if I want um, I can turn the TV off. I don't really watch TV, but sometimes I'll put it on, you know, something Netflix. So I'm I'm the happiest in that moment. 
I'm the happiest also when I'm serving. So the dichotomy is weird. I'm the happiest when I'm serving, um, when, you know, when I'm inspiring others, when I'm on a stage and people are getting what I'm putting down. I'm the happiest when my clients come back and say, coach, I did this and this happened, you know? So, so that's when I'm happiest the most. I'm also the happiest when my kids call me. I tell people, um, I'm no longer a mom. I'm now, I've transitioned into the role of advisor because I have adult <laughs> children. So they call me, mom, how do you do this? Mom, I feel grateful. So I'm happy. I'm happiest in those moments. I love that. I love that. I love it. I love it. Um, okay. Last but not least, mm-hmm. what advice would you give your future self? Mm, golly. So I would say to my future self, don't be so hard on yourself. The past is what it was. The future is what it is. Mm-hmm. So allow, allow yourself to live a little. Um, Allow yourself to embrace the changes, um, still bask in God's will for you, and know that what you're looking for won't always come in a package that you're looking for it in, mm-hmm. but nevertheless, it's still the gift that you wanted. Love it. Love it, love it, love it, love it. <laughs> wow. Thank you so much, Joan, you're for welcome. sharing space and co-creating this experience with me today. Thank you for your time, your energy. Thank you for your vulnerability. Um, like you. I said in the beginning, it's not um, it's not an easy thing to do to talk about, you know, your struggles, your traumas, your grief, but you do it to make an impact. You, yeah. you do it for the legacy. You do it to be of service. Yeah. So thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. I appreciate you so much. I really do. <laughs> likewise, likewise. And to all of you healers out there, until next time, subscribe on all platforms. And don't forget to rate the show and leave us a review on Apple Podcast. We would love to hear, you know, what part of Joan's story did you resonate with? What gems did she leave you with? Um, we'd just love to hear from you. So you can leave us a review there and let us know your thoughts or you can screenshot this week's episode and you can tag us on Instagram. You can tag Joan at Joan Wright Good. You can tag tag myself at The Real McKinney Smith. And I just want to thank each and every one of you that continues to listen each week and help the show globally rank in the top 1.5% of most popular podcasts out there. <laughs> awesome. Wow. <sighs> uh, A healthy community is a healing community and a healing community is full of hope because it has seen its own people weather, survive, and thrive. So let's continue to heal her. Yay! Yay!